0: has to be some reality in our conversation and vulnerability and being like, you know what, I'm, I'm a normal person with flaws Mm -hmm. and all those things. And instead we feel like if we can separate ourselves and not be face to face, even on like a video face to face moment, we feel like we can put on a different persona and then we're not having any sort of meaningful connection.
1: You're listening to make some noise podcast episode number 405 with guest Rachel D'Alto. You ready? Let's go. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I am so glad that you're here. We are still having our Make Some Noise series where I've hand selected some guests to come on and talk about self confidence, to talk about how they make noise in their lives, even when they're scared. And today's guest is a returning guest. Rachel Dialto is a friend of mine. She is funny relatable, amazing, smart, you're going to love her too if you don't know who she is. I want to tell you something, though, that I was thinking about right before I started recording Uh, that makes me really nervous, and that is live TV. I have years of experience being on video, even with the media, but for some – and I've done hundreds at this point, hundreds of interviews, both – being the interviewer and being the interviewee. But there is something about live TV that makes me so nervous, and I think I figured it out. I think it's because I'm not allowed to go in depth. (laughs) I'm I'm not allowed to be verbose, depending on how long the segment is, which TV is usually pretty short. For some reason, when it's radio, it's not that hard. But when it's TV and I have to you know, have my face on and be present with that as well as talking points, you got to wrap it up. You got to wrap it up when you're doing live TV with these talking points. And it's just something I'm not used to. I'm used to more of a longer form interview where I can be a little bit more specific and give examples. And anyway, I have I have one today as I'm recording this in a few hours uh, with a Nashville TV morning show. And it's, it's online because COVID, but still, it makes my stomach hurt <laughs> it makes me super nervous. I will tell you something that does not make my stomach hurt, that does not make me nervous, but only makes me excited, and that is Book Club. Book Club is coming up September 20th. It is a special bonus for anyone who has bought a copy of Make Some Noise. It doesn't matter what format, if you have it in audiobook, ebook, or print, And it's shipped, it's available now, which is super exciting, and I'm really excited to get this started. September 20th, if you go to andreaowen.com slash, well, you can go to two different places, I don't want to confuse you, but if you have not purchased the book yet, go to andreaowen.com slash noise, or if you have purchased it already, go to andreaowen.com slash msn, and that is just the page that will take you to the bonuses for this book. There's a workbook that goes with it. There's just all kinds of fun things that are happening over there. Very, very excited to see all of you on the Facebook. That's where we'll meet. If you don't have Facebook, you can still participate. You'll just have to watch the videos afterwards. But Um, No, I take that back. We're doing Zoom calls. I lied. Lies, all lies. We're doing Zoom calls, so you don't have to have Facebook, but the community is going to be over there. And that starts on September 20th. Each week, we're going to do a new topic. My four, they're not really my favorite chapters because they're all my favorite chapters. They're the four chapters that I selected that I think will make the most movement and shifts in your life. And it's just a lot of information. I didn't want to rush it all and like put, what is there? 15 chapters (laughs) in a month. I felt like that was a lot. So andreaowen.com slash noise if you still need a copy of the book or andreaowen.com slash MSN to grab your bonuses. All right, everyone, let's get into the show. For those of you that don't know Rachel, let me tell you a little bit about her. Rachel Zialto is a relationship expert, coach, media personality, and speaker. She is the author of Relatable, How to Connect with Anyone, Anywhere, Even if It Scares You. Rachel has appeared as a relationship expert on Lifetime's Married at First Sight, TLC's Kate Plus Date, and as the host of FYI's Kiss Bang Love. Rachel maintains an undergrad degree from Syracuse University, a Juris Doctorate from Seton Hall University School of Law, and is presently completing a Master's in Psychology. In addition to her regular appearances, Rachel has also been featured on a multitude of media outlets, including The Today Show, Access Hollywood Live, and Fox News. She's also given three TEDx talks, including Being Authentic in a Filtered World, which is featured on TED.com. So without further ado, here is Rachel. (laughs) Rachel DeAlto is back on the show. I am. I am so excited to have this conversation with you because we're kind of doing like a two for one. We're talking about your book and my book. It's a good day. Well, it I, mean, is a good I think day.
0: They, they pair together really well.
1: They do pair together. They're, they're like pizza and beer, as we were talking oh, about. Which <laughs> could get, get, get a little dangerous that in there. you burp. Right. <laughs> and for those people who are just listening to this and not watching it on video, I feel like you should go watch it on video. Um, but I keep having to make sure, because I so very rarely wear lipstick. I keep having to look at myself to make any? sure I don't have lipstick on my teeth. Yeah, I'm good too, it's, I think. Although I can't, I make look.
0: myself so small that, like, I can't even tell how I look. It actually helps me.
1: Oh, you back up in the I camera. Get, yeah, I'm right I
0: just, in I'm front like, of the please, camera.
1: Please make it stop. So, if if anyone hears like sucking noises, please know it's just me trying to get the lipstick off my teeth. <laughs> I apologize in advance. <laughs> All right. Speaking of awkwardness,
0: hmm.
1: I want to find out by asking you, the expert, what is the difference between just regular nervousness and legit social anxiety? Huge difference. So I think a lot of people misuse social anxiety as a term
0: because we're all a little nervous. We're all a little awkward. I don't like to call doctor's offices either, but social anxiety is actually a diagnosable mental condition. I hate the word disorder, but that's actually what it's called. So it's in the DSM, which is how all therapists and psychologists, psychiatrists diagnose people with disorders. And there's actually criteria for people with social anxiety, it's like that really marked fear. And the difference is social anxiety is I'm terrified of being judged. I think I'm going to do something dumb. I think I'm going to embarrass myself and I'm going to do something in a situation and people are going to judge me. They're going to, I'm going to feel humiliated and it's consistent. So it actually starts getting in the way of their lives.
1: So does that also include like agoraphobia, people who are afraid to leave their house and, or like crowds of people? Yeah.
0: It's all, I mean, all of those things can kind of be, the, they can be comorbidities because they obviously, they go together. As soon as you mm-hmm. start feeling socially anxious, you're like, oh my gosh, you know, why would I leave my house? And then it, it can translate into other diagnosis, but they are very, they could be separate as well. So, but very okay. related.
1: You know, the guideline is where, when it's affecting your life chronically.
0: Yeah. The diagnosis is six months or more. So it's six months or more. And then a, you know, market impact on your life, which it, it, I mean, even with, that as like a real diagnosis is an enormous problem in the United States. I think the last time I looked at it, this was pre-COVID, it was like 50 million people suffer from social anxiety. So it is really prevalent.
1: Do you think it's always been like that? Or are people just being diagnosed more? I think anxiety,
0: obviously, I think we're just as a species, we've become more anxious. So it's definitely increased over time. But I think that the the awareness, you know what I mean? It's kind of like yeah. a double-edged sword. Like we're getting more anxious, but we're also more aware And it being a diagnosis, we have something to pinpoint it on instead of before. It's like, no, 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 they're just nervous. You know what I Mm -hmm. mean? As opposed to really understanding what this is.
1: Okay. And I, I just, I don't want people to walk away from this feeling like, wait, I need to know more. So I have one more question about this. And that's, can you give some examples of like, what, what does it actually mean to like get in the way of someone's life? Like, what are they doing or not doing? They're not saying yes to anything.
0: They're avoiding contact. They limit their interactions to online. Uh, they don't want to have that live interaction with people. So they're not taking certain jobs. They're not going out to events. They are not connecting with friends or any sort of relationship because it, there's so much fear around what if I screw this up? Like, mm-hmm. what if I act like, you know, it, and it's that, you know, complete disproportionate fear (laughs) where it's like, this is not real. Like you're not that awkward and, but it feels physical. I mean, there's, there's studies where people, people show up with anxiety attacks at hospitals thinking they have a heart attack. Like it's a Mm -hmm. real feeling.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. So I, I was diagnosed with Uh, Generalized Anxiety Disorder and Panic Disorder in two thousand and three, which feels like a lifetime ago. But I never had that that crippling feeling of have uh, of being anxious in like one on one scenarios or people that I already trusted. I didn't have that, so it sounds like that's what the difference is. That's very interesting. Yeah, it's a Um, fascinating diagnosis. Yeah, it's fascinating, and I think probably widely misunderstood. Hundred percent.
0: Yeah. People think, I think a lot of people think introverted people are just, they have social anxiety. I'm like, no, they're just naturally introverted. There's a mm-hmm. huge difference between introversion and being socially anxious. So.
1: Okay. Well, yeah. and I, and I go is do sort a TikTok of, on this. It's just, of course you are. Everyone needs to go follow Rachel on TikTok and me. Yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> hey, Andrea Owen.
1: <laughs> hey. Hey, back. We'll put those links in the show notes and the, the link to the previous episode that you were on. Cause we talked about, I think we talked about friendships, that's something. Ago. We talked about something My interesting. God, we've
0: been friends for a while.
1: Something fascinating. Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we talked about something. Well, that's, we
1: that's, talked that's about something we did. And, um, and it was interesting that I can tell you, well, speaking of talking, what is wrong with how people are communicating these days?
0: Well, I think because it's completely online (laughs) is a Mm -hmm. problem. Not completely, obviously. People are still talking in person, but most of our interactions are coming from social media, some sort of online interaction. And you're only getting that one element of it. And especially with social, you and I both know this. We're on social media and it's like, that's not real. I see people all the time posting about relationships that they're miserable in. I'm like, um, (laughs) what are we doing here? So we're just not being real with each other. And then then we wonder, you know, why we feel intimidated or why we feel judged. And it's like, well, that's because no one's being real. So I know authenticity is this buzzword that people throw around. I I almost feel like it's like jumping the shark actively right now, but it's honestly the truth. It's like, there has to be some reality in our conversation and vulnerability and being like, you know what, I'm, I'm I'm a normal person with flaws Mm -hmm. and all those things. And instead we feel like if we can separate ourselves and not be face-to-face, even on like a video face-to-face moment, we feel like we can put on a different persona and then we're not having any sort of meaningful connection.
1: Is this something that you feel like is more prevalent with the younger generation or is it across all generations?
0: It's I think it's starting to permeate all of us as mm-hmm. you know, even the boomers get online and, and are more active on social media because it's an addiction. You know, we yeah. we all get in there and it's legitimately and those, yeah, doing things to our right. Brain. Yeah. It it changes our neurotransmitters. And so we get in there and we start using it and we're like, oh, this is what <laughs> this is what they're all talking about. But yeah, no, it's it's a huge problem. Think back to when we were growing up. We're going to date ourselves right now. Yeah. But like There was no social media. I didn't have social media until I was already married with children. Mm-hmm. So it didn't affect me in my, my earlier stages of development. But then you look at the stages of development. You look at how how really malleable children are. And then you throw in some social media and you show in like, oh my gosh, the people who get the most likes or most interactions are the, the better ones. And then all of a sudden, they're judging themselves from a completely different standard and it's changing the way that we connect to people and it's creating that that disconnect between mm-hmm. ourselves and other people.
1: It's really interesting and I you know the the jury is still out a little bit in in terms of like what the implications are of this age group that has not known anything but cell phones and and internet and things like that and and I'm a little bit older than you but you're you're on the very young end of Gen X, right? Yeah. What are they called? Xenials? Like where you're kind of on the cusp. Yeah. Nobody gives us a name. Nobody, nobody knows. Us. Okay. Yeah. But my point is, is that, um, I thought it's interesting that kids, kids these days, I'm going to say that don't Aww, know how get to get off my lawn, don't <laughs> drive slower <laughs> on my street, <laughs> which is a real complaint I have, <laughs> but about making phone calls, like, Oh my gosh, I feel like we're the last generation who, and not all of us. And generally speaking here, My parents, like, it was a thing to, like, you call, you know, hello, Mrs. Dialto. This is Andrea. May I please speak to Sophia? And you introduce yourself. You you address the person and you ask for, it was like this whole thing. And my kids, first of all, didn't get to, like, hold the phone to their ear. Like, when I hand it to them to talk to my mom or something, they're like, I don't know what to do with this. And they don't want to go and make friends in the neighborhood. No. We had to practice it's the most
0: bizarre thing. Yeah. I, I'm actually having that conversation with my daughter. Now our daughter's at the same age, they're both mm-hmm. into anime and they rather sit home and like watch anime all day. And I'm like, honey, you you have to go make friends. Like you can't just, this cannot be your entire existence because I see how it affects her. I see how it like disconnects people. The, the interesting thing is too, cause there has been research around this and my God, I sound like, I feel like I just got really boring. Right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> let me tell you about the research. So we put my, let me put oh my, God, my readers this- on.
0: But it's so true. It's like I, I I started looking into this because I'm like, holy crap, like what's going on here? And it really did show the more invested that we are, like the more emotionally invested that they are, the more problematic it is. And that's where it's it's such a, a problem, because if they are emotionally invested, then they're focusing more on this than they are about these real world connections. And I think our kids, we have to like almost force them out, you we know, to. Too to do things beyond their comfort zone, because if they're comfortable, like they'll, they will never make a phone call again.
1: And who's right. going to
0: order my pizza? Uh,
1: just call a Gen Xer. Just don't call them. Text a Gen I'm Xer. I'm going to call you. <laughs> they will all, I'll call the, make the appointment and yeah, but no, it, we have to teach these kids this. So how does someone, it, it sounds like, and like are the majority of your clients, like they don't necessarily struggle with social anxiety. It's just like that overall feeling of awkwardness of being a human, right? Yeah, I think there's a mix. I don't work with people individually anymore, but like from
0: my experience, just talking to the people that I I work around is that the mm-hmm. thing mm-hmm. talking at them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but the feedback is there's a mix. There are people with legitimate social anxiety in you know my audiences or in my groups, and then there are people who are just awkward and feel uncomfortable. And mm-hmm. it's you know it's a lack of confidence or a lack of self worth that really does originate a lot of that. And honestly, a lot of the social anxiety. Does come from that as well, so it's kind of a a definite hodgepodge. But I think social
1: anxiety people are like, no, 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 that's what I have, and I'm like, we
0: might want to take a look at that yeah. in a minute.
1: I'm interrupting this conversation to share a few words from some of our sponsors. Any of you remember Columbia House and BMG? They were those CD like membership things where you paid like a dollar and you got all these CDs. So I had one of those for adult books. <laughs> Adult stories. It was this book club that had all these adult stories. And since then, I've been hooked on that type of entertainment. And here's a really interesting stat. 90% of women use mental framing or scenario conjuring to get turned on. Yet most of the innovation and investment in female pleasure has been focused on the body rather than the brain. Dipsy is an audio app full of short, sexy stories designed to turn you on. Each Dipsy audio story features characters that will feel like real people in your life and immersive scenarios, so you feel like you're right there. Listen to stories about hooking up with your hometown crush or that coworker you always had a thing for or maybe a story that puts you in bed with someone who's telling you exactly what they'd like you to do. They release new content every week, so there's always more to explore no matter what you're into or what turns you on. And if you need something to wind down, Dipsy also has wellness sessions, sensual bedtime stories, and soundscapes to help you relax before you drift off. I love this audio app. And since you like audio, I think you would love it too. So for listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to com slash kickass. 30 days full access for free when you go to D I P. S E a dot com slash kickass, DipsyStories. dot com slash kickass, and you can always find the sponsors codes if you forget them on the sponsors page at AndreaOwen. dot com. I'm convinced that life is just one series of awkward conversations and situations mm. after another, <laughs> and I, I don't know if I've just kind of gotten used to it, but I feel awkward most of the time, and I just kind of like fumble through. So. Tell us how a person would like what's helpful for them to feel less socially awkward. I think it really does come back to self-worth and confidence. You know, mm-hmm. the more
0: that you start to embrace who you are, flaws and all and your goofiness, like do you remember I did a photo shoot? This is like ten years ago before we even met for my first book, which was really shitty, and no one should buy it. Um, <laughs> it's so bad. I just we'll wanted not to, do media. to it, then. <laughs> yeah, do not link to that. It it was self published. It was like one of those like I just wanted to do more TV at the time, and anyway, so I did a photo shoot for it, and the, I just remember being in this New York City loft, really cool, and like this really cool outfit on. My hair makeup was all done up, and it wasn't a hot mess. And he was like, "Give me sexy," and I'm like, I just started laughing. <laughs> but like, I don't even know what here's that what, is. what I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you goofy, and you're going to find something good, here. <laughs> what <laughs> just, are you talking start about? Shooting, yeah. It was just this awkwardness to it, but there was also an owning of who I was in that moment of like, no, like, what are you talking about? Like, that's not me. Mm -hmm. So I think so often we are awkward because we think we have to show up in a different way. When in fact, if we just show up and we're like, listen, I am who I am, you know, Mm -hmm. take me or leave me. And I, that does come with age, but it also can come with experience that can be developed sooner than getting to 40. I mean, like Don't really care what you think anymore.
1: <laughs> Age does help. Uh, you know what I found is helpful is sometimes just naming it. Like I'm queen of like just saying out loud things that I probably shouldn't say out loud sometimes, but I've said it. Like, you know, when I'm having a conversation with someone I haven't talked to in a really long time, and I'll just be like, this is so awkward. <laughs> it doesn't yeah. mean I don't like the person. It just means I'm yeah. feeling very uncomfortable. Yeah, which is completely normal. And that's a great way to handle it. Okay. Thanks. I am going to check. I like that. I that think it, you, when you call out the
0: elephant in the room, things are a lot easier to embrace. Yeah. Oh, my dog just walked in. Um,
1: Let's talk about self-confidence. Cause you mentioned that, like, how do you, like, what is your take on this? How can someone start to be, feel more confident? You know, I think there's a lot of ways. Obviously, you and I talk about this for a
0: living, um, but I think there's so many different ways that you can approach it, and you have to find the one that starts to resonate for you. One Mm -hmm. of the things I like to do is just really starting to identify what do I do well, and how can I push that boundary a little bit more? Because the more that we show ourselves that we're capable, the more that we're able to grow from that. So, you know, self confidence is a lack of it, is doubt. You can disprove that doubt by doing things and showing that you're capable. Um, and then the other element is really identifying the root of it, because so often I think we just kind of sit there and we're like, "Yo, I, I don't feel good about myself. Why? You know, where yeah. does that come from? And, and follow that root down, because whether it's a family of origin issue or some environmental issue or some relationship challenge that you've had, even sometimes when you reveal it, it starts to heal it.
1: Mm-hmm. There's a,
0: there's a Jay-Z quote, you know, you can't feel I, what you don't reveal. I
1: feel like that is. And if you don't know, now, you know, <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> no charge No the I mean, entertainment. All day. It's a he's bonus. It all day. <laughs> uh, well, that's super interesting. I agree with those root causes. It could come from family of origin. It could come from like a past relationship that happened when someone was not very nice to you and environment i call that patriarchy that no. <laughs> we grew up in a, and by we i mean people who identify as women who grew up identifying as as girls and women we grow up in a culture that does not necessarily foster self esteem self confidence things like that in in girls i was talking to somebody else about this the research that i read that i don't know if you've seen this research that because little boys because we assign gender roles uh, little boys are encouraged to wrestle with other children um and they also like tease and taunt each other playfully more than girls do like it's it's different how they do it i even made a comment to my husband Many years ago. And I'm like, why do you why do guys just like shovel shit back and forth to each other? Like just they just raz each other so much Not more, tough. I think, than women do. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It's just something that we do. And then when I read that research, I was like, oh, this is something that they're taught to do from childhood. And yeah. what that does, the long term effects of that is instills resilience in them, instills Aww. confidence in them. Should I start and making that fun They just you? feel competent. <laughs> yes. No. <laughs> No, time's up. I'm 46. It's not, it's not gonna work anymore. <laughs> if I was six, maybe. But just it, it's really interesting that the um, long term, the long term effects from that and that men just grow up. That's how they just, you know, kind of feel entitled. And like, of course it's gonna work out. Yeah, it's also a, when you start to think about it, it's a safe space because it's like, yeah, my right. friends are mocking me or
0: they're beating me up, but they love me.
1: Right. And it's like they're it's gonna have different. my back.
0: Yeah. It's different than getting bullied. Like I went through sh- like hell when I was younger because I was bullied for years and years until I had to switch schools. It was so bad. And so I think back to that and I'm like, wait, I was made fun of. And I, it did develop resilience, but <laughs> it also developed right. an eating disorder and a lack of self-esteem and self-worth for like 12 years. But yeah, it right. must be like that safe space that's attached to it. And these are my people and this is normal. So we really exactly. to vote on that
1: all right. Yeah. It's super interesting. I know now, now here we are decades later, what do we do now? And, and I, I love your tip around, you know, finding what you do well and doing more of that. Cause I think that that instills the competence part of it. That is so heavily involved in self-confidence when you talk about, you know, cause in the book, I talk about taking up space, you know, with your voice mm-hmm. or with your body, what is your take on that around taking up space? I think it comes with confidence. I -hmm. think that people
0: who are lacking in self-confidence, they want to become as small as possible. And it kind of goes back to that social anxiety. Like I'm afraid of being seen, I'm afraid of doing the wrong thing. Like, oh my gosh, like you want me to take up what? You know, I'm going to go in the closet now uh, and be as small as possible. So I think taking up space requires confidence. It requires knowing that yours your taking up of that space is worthwhile to other people. That has to come with some sort of self-worth.
1: Self-worth, I feel like is um, one of those things that I, I've talked about this on my podcast previously, that it's interesting because I think it can be a little bit insidious. And what I mean by that is it can present itself in different ways. And in my experience, like I felt like, and I uncovered this with my my therapist recently that I told her, I said, I, I can sit here and tell you Both consciously and unconscious, I feel like I'm worthy. Like I feel like I'm a good person and that, um, and that I matter to people and to the world. What my real biggest fear is, is that deep down, no one really gives a shit about me. And so it's that's inextricably connected, but not exactly the same thing. And that was such an aha moment to me of like, oh my God, it it's an element of self-worth. It's like it's. First cousin. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's a really interesting. And I think we all have those little like spinoffs. Right. We have like the main series and then there's like spinoff shows of like, okay, no, 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 this one's good, but that spinoff show, whoo, you know, and uh, the the human mind and emotion is so complicated that, you know, Mm -hmm. it's, it's, I think about, we talk about weight, especially as women, it becomes Mm -hmm. such a focus of like our bodies. um, And, I feel the same way. Like I am very comfortable in my skin. And yet I always want to lose five pounds. Like there's never been a time in my life. I think it was, it was 10 for a while and now it's down to five. So I'm really making progress here. And it's such a dichotomy because you look at it and you're like, wait a second. Like you, I am confident. Like I feel comfortable. However, there's still that sliver of like, no, I'd be even better with this. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's it's really coming to terms with that and recognizing, like, where does that come from and how does that affect me? And how can I avoid allowing it to affect me in a negative way? If it makes me inspired in a positive way, you know, it's one thing. But if it, if it definitely interferes with some area of my life or it allows me to show up in a way where I don't feel like I'm entitled to take up space, then we have a
1: problem. Well... It's the internalized misogyny for me. Like <laughs> I'm realizing that so much of it comes back to that. Like diet culture. Anyway, that's another conversation for another. Yeah, time. that's a whole other day, girl. Well, how okay. And you may have already answered this, but I wanted to ask you about, we touched on it a little around. Women specifically, the majority of my listeners are women who make themselves small. You know, not literally, which I know is a thing that you know that last five pounds, but figuratively, yeah. like making themselves small. How do you see that play out for women, like in their careers and in their relationships? Well, they they don't take chances and they accept what they think they deserve. Oh, and the
0: crumbs! Yeah, the frigging crumbs! I actually mm-hmm. said that to someone the other day. She's going through a breakup and she's allowing him to still contact her and and then holding out hope that he'll allow them to get back together. And I was like, why are you settling for crumbs? Like you deserve the whole damn cake. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I just see, I see that over and over again with, you know, if if you are playing small, it means that you're not going to push for the better job. You're not going to push for the promotion or the raise, or, you know, go outside of your comfort zone into something that you know you want, but you feel like it's, it's too much of a risk. And it's the same thing in relationships, you know, you get the safety zone and sometimes that safety zone comes with, with toxicity and sometimes, you know, abuse to certain levels Mm -hmm. and people accept so much less than they really truly deserve, but that's what they think they deserve.
1: I like that metaphor of a plate of food and you know it's like you' if you' if your plate of food is your safety zone like what is actually on the plate and in, in my former relationship I'm thinking of you know it was so many shitty things that I didn't want to eat <laughs>
0: you're like there's some pickles over here
1: I'm not chocolate. hungry for that name calling for that intimidation <laughs> Yeah, full full yeah yeah no. but
0: we fill no. ourselves up on that bullshit because we think that's what we actually have earned.
1: Yeah. And for me, it was a matter of that. I just got used to it and it became my normal. Which is so weird. Oh my gosh.
0: No, we acclimate to what we, what we're used to. And right. that's actually also why we repeat, you know, uh, family of origin challenges mm-hmm. or, or conditions because we're used to it. I remember there was a, a, a situation in the last like month where something really acrimonious came up. Like it was very negative and and confrontational. And I was like, Oh my God, this is so awful. Mm-hmm, <laughs> like, it was mm-hmm. just so uncomfortable for me. And I'm like, what's was your life? Like, that was, yeah. that was my entire marriage. That was, that was my job. I was a litigator. Like it was always mm. like always this conflict. And now I have none of it and I've had none of it for 10 years. But if that had happened back then, I'd be like, huh, that was, that was Tuesday.
1: Mm-hmm, right.
0: <laughs> yeah. So we do become acclimated to it until we take a step outside of it and we're able to look at it and say, oh, wait a second. (laughs) That doesn't always feel so good.
1: That's the really difficult part is that when it's right in front of your face, you don't see how bad it is. I remember we needed a new mattress and we talked about it for like, I don't even know how long we were together before we got this new mattress. It was a handful of years. And then we got the new mattress and we were like, okay, that other mattress was so bad. Like, we didn't know how bad it was. Like, we were sleeping on a bag of rocks. Like, what were we thinking? And I think yeah. it's similar. And, and I'm 15 years out of my former relationship. And I'm still figuring things out and connecting the dots and going like, holy shit, that's what was happening. And that are, that's some steps out. And it, it took me a handful of years to even start to see it. So it's, I say all that to have compassion for people who might be in it or might be like newly out of it. You know, like people might be telling you, you know, he's no good for you. She's not the right person for you, like, and warning you and wanting better for you, but you don't see it. And like maybe like in your gut you're like yeah probably but <laughs> you don't take any action. Yep, I get it. Yeah, no, it's
0: it's a process, and and I think people do have to be compassionate with themselves, and also take those baby steps. You know, some people, I'm I'm a rip off the band aid kind of girl, but that shit hurts. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and I'm 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 resilient. And I know myself enough that I can handle the aftermath of it. But for some people, it's like you got to be able to baby step out of things, and Were then even through those like baby that? steps
1: like the resilience part?
0: Uh, I think so. I mean, as Mm -hmm. long as I can, as an adult, as long as I can remember, I mean, I had my son when I was 20 years old.
1: Oh, that's right. Do you think (laughs) that that was part of what made you so (laughs) resilient or?
0: No, I actually think I was honestly, and this is something going back to like the whole bullying and, and, you know, rising of friends. So I, I didn't have friends, but I was bullied and I was forced to kind of go through things in a, you know, a really terrible way, but it also made me stronger. And I think I developed a lot of my resilience to just work through that. And then when I was able to shift to the other side, you know, my bullying happened when I was younger and then by high school, things had kind of become really great for me. And so I, you know, having those balance of the two where I was able to look back, I was able to start reflecting really young, you know, Mm -hmm. at 14 And then by the time I had my son, I was like, no, 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 I got this. Like, I'm still going to be a badass.
1: Yeah. And you were 19 when you had him? 20. You were 20.
0: Yep. Wow.
1: Okay. Is there anything else that I might have missed that you really want to talk about? I mean, besides everybody going out and buying your book? (laughs) No, we covered a lot of different
0: elements in like a very short period of
1: time. We did. We get it done. So everyone, (laughs) the, the book is relatable. Tell me the subtitle.
0: How to connect with anyone anywhere even if it scares you.
1: How to connect anyone anywhere even if it scares you. Fantastic. And your beautiful face is on the cover. The link will be in the show notes. Where do you want people to follow you or go to your site? What's what's going on? Tell us about that
0: site. There's the social superpowers quiz on my site, which is really helpful to identifying what your social superpower is. I'll say that three times fast.
1: Social superpowers. Um, (laughs) How many, how many different ones are there to choose from? There's four. Okay, And
0: then I have a longer assessment that allows you to really break that down, but uh, there's the three quiz that's right there that will help you realize what your superpower is. So what are the four
1: superpowers? The- I want to know. <laughs> our-
0: we have the builder, the analyst, okay. the captain, and the ringleader.
1: So is the builder somebody are? who like connects people?
0: Builder is slow and steady. So okay. they're, they're kind of like, they build the foundation first. They oh, gotcha. The- you know, like the the drywall goes on after the, the foundation. <laughs> the are yeah, so okay. The builder takes me. I'm a builder. It takes me a minute, but once I'm in there, it's like constant. Like let's just keep growing.
1: And then the other ones are ringleader, ringleader. Kind of. I wanted to call it a cheerleader, but um,
0: I, I didn't want to have to give out pom poms every time. But yeah, it's like oh. that ringleader, that person that's like kind of the hype person. And then there's the captain who's always in charge. And always has a lot of really strong opinions on things. And then there's the analyst, which is kind of that, that overthinker, but sometimes really helpful in terms of their overthinking.
1: Okay. All right. I'm probably a combination of the captain and the, and the ringleader. I could see that. I'm not an analyst and I don't take things. No, I'm not an
0: analyst either. Yeah.
1: Definitely not an analyst.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I definitely have some ringleader. I'm a, I'm a ringleader builder, but if you had to go with a primary, I would be a builder.
1: Okay. And so they can take that quiz on your site. They can. Okay, racheldialto.com.
0: Yep, that's where that is. That's where I Link left. is in the show
1: notes and links to Rachel's books and her social media. Thank you so much for being here. This is so fun. Always a pleasure.
0: I always love talking to you. That Same. Was a good
1: Thank you everyone for listening and you know the drill. Please take a screenshot of this wherever you are listening to this podcast. Share it on your Instagram stories or on Facebook. If you're on Instagram, you can tag me and Rachel and I always do my best to repost it. And remember everyone, it's our life's journey to make ourselves better humans and our life's responsibility to make the world a better place. Bye for now.